0: Welcome to On the Job with Porac, your go-to place for public safety and officer rights, giving you the news you need to know and discussing the issues that matter.
1: Hi, and welcome to On the Job with Porac. I'm Brian Marvel, president of Porac. Alongside of me is Porak Vice President Damon Kurtz. Today, we're joined with Randy Perry from Aaron Reed and & Associates and PORAC's advocate for many, many, many years. Uh, We appreciate uh, all the work that you do for us at the state capitol. And uh, today's episode is going to be the election recap that happened on uh, March 3rd. I think the the most pressing race for us, I guess, in the state is the uh, Los Angeles district attorney's race. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. If you weren't aware, um, hopefully you were. Uh, we'd been sending out a bunch of emails uh, in regards to that. You know, we created, uh, PORAC created a uh, independent expenditure account. Uh, we were trying to get uh, our fellow colleagues uh, and member associations, along with individual members and uh, the community members that support uh, Jackie Lacey. There were several independent expenditure committees in support of Jackie Lacey. I know our uh, colleagues, our independent colleagues down there uh, all did one. And uh, I wanted to talk a little bit more specifically about uh, the one that we had done. Um, We'd reached out to the other groups to make sure that we were uh, coordinating our efforts and uh, making sure that we weren't overlapping it. Um, The reason this race, I think, is so critical, and I know um, Randy and uh, Damon can jump in on this. You can look at San Francisco when uh, George Gascon, and we call him the con man up here, uh, was the DA of San Francisco and the author of Prop 47. And if you see all of the petty crime, the quality of life crimes that are going unpunished, um, especially in San Francisco, uh, you can realize this is not a person you want to be District attorney, especially if you're a victim of one of those types of crimes. I mean, it's so bad in San Francisco. And I heard that the the app is no longer available because Snapchat uh, actually sued the guy. Um, But in San Francisco, they created an app for human feces and it was called SnapCrap. So you could take a picture of human feces and send it to the city and the city's spending millions of dollars trying to clean that up. Uh, But unfortunately, that app's no longer available. But I thought it was a great name, Snap Crap. Uh, but it's unfortunate because anybody who has seen San Francisco, uh, you know, 20, 15, even 20 years ago, it was, it was a great place to go. But unfortunately, due to Prop 47 and the, you know, the leadership of uh, the con man, San Francisco has really turned into a, a crappy Place, pun intended, uh, to go visit. There's needles everywhere. There's homeless people just camping everywhere. Businesses are probably fed up with having to deal with this. So to have him now be come back to L.A. and and want to lead the largest district attorney's office in the state and I believe the nation. I don't think California can afford that. I mean, we're dealing with a coronavirus issue that's starting to spread uh, in the state of California. And this guy would just exasperate those types of things by not even dealing anything with the homeless. So we've brought our expert in, Randy, to talk a little bit about it and comments from Damon about uh, the LADA's race. So I don't know, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, I can tell you that uh, PORAC stepped up big in that in that race the goal was to try and get jackie lacy at 50% plus one, as you know, local races, if you win 50% plus one, you win outright and there is no runoff. So that was the goal of all the law enforcement community in that area. PORAC stepped up immediately, contributed 200000 right up front, and then reached out to their associations. A couple of other outside associations, I know the California Association of Hive Patrolmen uh, came in and contributed as well. We put together about two hundred fifty thousand dollars, just for about a six-week program prior to uh, March third. We did radio, digital. We did our our goal was to do social media, and allow ALADS, PPL, some of the other groups down there to do TV and 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 the like. We did one hundred twenty-two thousand live phone calls, text messages. We inundated the community. But more importantly, we saw some polling that showed that what Jackie Lacey had done in her first four years was uh, impactful to the immigrant community, especially Latino community. So we targeted most of our program towards that community. And I'm. Really looking forward to the analysis or the analytics coming out of the primary because I want to see the impact of the vote, of the Latino vote in this race, because I think we impacted it greatly.
1: Yeah, and then I know uh, Jackie's campaign, you know, her motto is justice for all. And uh, she really has been a district attorney who has provided justice for everybody, whereas the con man, he's just going to be pro-criminal. And I don't think L.A. wants that. I think the results are showing that. Uh, with Jackie over 50% right now. Fingers crossed. Hope everybody's praying that, uh, you know, the ballots break her way so this race is over because, um, you know, that'll ultimately save uh, a variety of people millions of dollars for the November race. So I think our campaign has been really successful. I think that uh, I agree with you getting the analytics back and seeing the demographics of the people that uh, that voted and and how we were able to uh, to assist her campaign and getting her across the finish line. It'd be interesting to see how it does show up.
2: I mean, it's it's an interesting dynamic that goes on in the Bay Area where these quality of life issues, they seem to be coming to the forefront, um, yet they continue to vote in people that bring policies that go the opposite direction for these quality of life issues you know just the, the petty theft the the homelessness no well, lack of a better term the you know the sanitary conditions of a city that was once a you know a gem for the state of California and now i i don't tell anybody to go there and um it's it's concerning what's going on there you know just from the quality of life perspective but also on the political side of things and you know for for the law enforcement um folks that that have to uh, operate on the other side of that bridge you know we feel for them and we don't need that type of policy to move to the to LA, we don't think that's gonna be a good thing for, for California and will be definitely won't be good for LA. And we think Jackie's the the one we need to keep in there, obviously. So yeah,
0: well in this race, as Prop thirteen and, and other races, we saw we, we hear in the press that, you know, the the far left, Black Lives Matter and ACLU and all of them are growing and that that's what California is about and the impact of that. However, we keep seeing at the ballot box That and and that group, by the way, I like to reference them as the vocal minority, and it shows. Because at the ballot box, people keep coming out, and when you see the impact of the vote, it's not the far left. It's not the socialist movement that Bernie is is claiming, you know, is, is, a, is a reform, a national reform nationwide. It's not happening. And in California, if you don't see that, then you know around the country that the impact will be the same. People speak at the ballot box. Right. They don't need to go out and call press conferences and
2: rally and right. in the end— they speak at the ballot box. Yeah, I I think the majority of California is more moderate. Um, I don't, you know, I know we're depicted as being far left, you know, the left coast, if you will, and obviously compared to some of the area, other areas like say in the Midwest, we are. But I think the majority of people who are just living their lives, going to work every day, tend to be a little more moderate on most issues. And that's how they vote is more moderate. They're not looking for the extremes on the left or right. I think the bigger issues, is if we can, there's a lot of those folks who are somewhat ambivalent to things and and maybe don't vote at all. And that's a, that's a huge issue, obviously for our state. And that's why we continue to have some of these policies come out because the, the folks that really need to be, you know, speaking on on the behalf of California, the working folks aren't, sometimes aren't taking the time to actually cast their vote.
1: And I think that's important with our uh, IE moving forward, if, if this does go into a runoff, you know, that we're really going to have to press our members to to pitch in and, and get out the vote, whether that's uh, helping us phone bank, uh, whether that's talking to community members, even your own family and uh, making sure that they, they get out there, especially in the L.A. area and, and vote for Jackie. Um, This is a a critically important race being watched at the national level. And I think if we can push back on this, especially here in California, I definitely think it sends a signal nationally that, uh, you know, these types of district attorneys are not what people want. Everybody wants a district attorney that's going to be fair. And if you're a victim of a crime, it's nice to know that the district attorney is going to be on your side and make sure that you get the justice you deserve and that it's not all about the criminal and making sure that the criminal goes free because they didn't get a Twinkie in the morning when they were a kid or they didn't get some hug at some point in their life uh, that turned them into a heinous criminal. So I think it's vitally important that all of our members uh, really focus and help us Uh, get Jackie across the finish line. So we could probably spend hours talking about this race, but there's a lot of other races we want to talk about um, throughout the state. Brian, a quick... Uh, shout out to
0: Grassroots Lab. They ran the, the IE campaign for Porak and Highway Patrol and others who contributed local associations. Um, Mike Madrid and Rob Krenke
1: and his team—they did a great job. So I just want to say thanks to them. Yep, absolutely. Uh, we were great to uh, to bring them on board and uh, work with them. And uh, if this does go past uh, March. Uh, We'll be sitting down with them and and strategizing our game plan for November. And obviously a big component of that's going to be fundraising. Um, I know we like to say that, uh, you know, money doesn't make the politics go round, but the reality is, is you need all the money you can. Uh, We clearly saw that with some very large donors. Uh, out of the bay area who donated to uh to uh to the con mans you know some were a million bucks you know i I know bloomberg just dropped out of the race i wish i could get a fraction of the half a billion dollars he spent to run for president for this race because it would definitely have made a dramatic difference but uh let's go to some of the state races um in the california state assembly uh, we came out in support of megan dolly and uh, she's going to be in the top two
0: yeah megan took over uh in a special election, when her husband moved to the Senate, she decided to run. Uh, we supported her in the special and then just supported her again, and she won pretty handily. So it will be a top two race, but she's running against a Democrat, and that is not a Democrat part of the state. Um, she ran against a very wealthy, self-funded doctor who spent four, over 400000 in the last six weeks of his own money, and she beat him handily so she's gonna be safe uh, she'll be raising money from now on to give to other caucus members yeah
1: no doubt the other big race was uh, jim cooper he really ran on the uh, keep a cop in the capital you know w- when i've talked to the membership and when i talk around uh, the united states i always try to push people that have worked in public safety to run for elected office because uh, it helps to have a voice in the elected body Uh, the legislatures around, whether it's Congress or the state senates, um, I think it's vitally important that we have cops actually in elected office who can talk about their experiences of working on the streets, what it's like to be a, a police officer and anything we can do to help Jim uh, which we did we contributed to an independent expenditure account and i think he won pretty handily in his race too
2: yeah, jim won but by- yeah, it's jim- ten- i was
1: just go gonna ahead. say it's unfortunate
2: that we don't have more um, public safety officials running for office you know we, we have a unique perspective that most don't ever get and it's something that's lacking a lot of times with our electives as we we get to see um our communities all walks of life. We go into their homes. We see the struggles, um, whether what part of town you live in, what you know, economic background you're at. We get to see all of that. And I think we really knew, know what the issues are because we see it firsthand at two o'clock in the morning or whatever that may be. And I think we can have a Better perspective sometimes as public safety than some folks that really have been shielded or only live one side of the life and they're kind of one sided on their issues. Um, I think we'd be a little more well-rounded. This race was interesting because SEIU put
0: up a candidate, African-American woman, to run against an incumbent. My question was... You know, how would the speaker allow that? Normally the speaker who has to, isn't, you know, responsible for the entire caucus would go to someone like an SEIU putting up somebody against one of his members and and incumbents and saying, what are you doing? And slapping their hand and really in the old days, it basically, they would not get a single bill through that year. Their their package, their uh, legislative package would be killed. He trounced, he trounced SEIU's candidate by over 10,000
1: votes. So I think the dynamics are a little bit different at the Capitol now. It's almost like if, you know, if, if you're related to public safety, they sort of give you the, they give you lip service and they sort of gaff you off. Uh, especially when it's coming to, uh, you know, running candidates and stuff, because we saw that, especially on the uh, the use of force bill, some of the major unions that were in support of that, uh, which we've worked collaboratively with in the past. And, you know, I think one of the issues that we need to, the elephant in the room is is when there's another pension bill coming forward and what that discussion is going to look forward to. Well, because they're
0: going to be coming to Porak for a lot of money and the like, and we're just going to have to, you know, you, you, in politics, you, you don't forget. You don't necessarily have have to take action and all the peoples uh, react to people, but you you should never forget. Yeah.
2: I think the environment right now, you know, in that Anti-public safety sentiment is is a uh, a product of the vocal minority that we talked about earlier, right? It's very loud. And the news media is part of that. The news media is really tied on to that, right? And tries to exacerbate the this narrative that, you know, statistically is false. Well, it sells papers. But it sells papers, right? It bleeds it, you know, it, whatever it is. Leads it bleeds. It Leads it bleeds, it, bleeds, it, bleeds, right? it bleeds, yeah. Um,
0: it, it's, a doctor, so, it's if it bleeds <laughs> it
2: leaves <laughs> <There you laughs> but 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 we go back yeah but we go back to uh you know that that in in the polls show it you know the support for law enforcement's out there it is uh you know still in the 80 percentile somewhere in there majority of folks um are more moderate and at some point when they show up at the ballot box these folks that are you know pushing this agenda that is really uh the vocal minorities agenda i think they're they're going to be in a they're going to have an awakening.
0: Yeah, definitely. So you want to go through a few of these races just
1: quickly? Yeah, let's uh, Tom Lackey. He's another uh, another cop in the capital. Retired high patrolman. Yep. Uh, he was hoping to face off again against
0: uh, ex-Assembly member Steve Fox. Steve Fox is a local attorney. He won, oh, I think in 2012, he ran and took that seat. And in 2014, Tom Lackey ran against him and took it for the Republicans. Steve Fox ran against him in 2016 and Lackey trounced him. So I was speaking with the assembly member, oh, two weeks ago or so, and he was really hoping he's going to get to run against Steve Fox. <laughs> he has some baggage. We'll just say that. Yeah. And he got his wish.
1: Yeah. Tom's a fantastic guy. Uh, he's working really hard at the Capitol for uh, for public safety, uh, not only for, uh, for law enforcement, but for our communities. It just, you know, the pendulum has swung so much in the state uh, and hopefully people People are starting to wake up. Um, I think I think Prop 47 and 57 were oversteps. Um, and I know there's going to be a, a November ballot measure. The retail theft is just it's off the hook. So it's it's great to have uh, Tom and, and, and Jim up at the Capitol uh, working hard uh, for, for public safety for all our communities. Um, one of the other bigger races is uh, Assembly District 59 Efren Martinez running against uh, Assemblymember Reggie Jones-Sawyer, who's the chair of public safety. Uh, Porak was the only uh, public safety group that endorsed him, and uh, he's on top right now.
0: Yeah, Reggie is the chair of public safety, as you said, and has not been very open to law enforcement in the last couple of years. But more importantly, I know that you guys recently met with him. Um, i th- i know that your concern was that not that just every super ultra <laughs> progressive bill gets out or even anti cop bills get out but that it's how you're treated how law enforcement is treated when they go in to
2: testify i mean it's it's you know it's almost an abuse it's been pretty, and, been pretty very disrespectful huh? in both the right. senate and the and the uh, um uh, assembly the committees you know we we kind of joke around about it's the anti-public safety uh, committee committees both of them because we just we don't get we don't we don't get the respect we go in there and it's uh
0: yeah so on, on uh on just on that race to Close on it. Like, we don't know yet if Heffern's going to stay in the lead, but it doesn't matter. Both of them made top two. Right. And Reggie knows. Absolutely. That this is going to be a bloodbath. Yep. One final piece about that is as that is a heavily Latino district, and Reggie is African-American. The Latinos and African-American caucuses have battled in the past. Literally, in, in Inland Empire and Riverside area, they went in and took out a uh, African-American sitting member and put in a, a Latino. So I'm curious to see if the Latino caucus is going to weigh in on this. Come November, because they could pick up another caucus member. So everybody's going to be taking a look at the two caucuses and see what happens here.
1: Well, this will be interesting because you had talked earlier about the speaker not jumping in in Jim Cooper's race. But I wonder now, what's what's he going to do for AD59? I mean, he's he's
0: one of the Latino caucus members. Yeah. So
1: we'll see what happens. We'll see. One you skipped
0: over, there was uh, 57, which was oh, the yeah. uh, Calderon bill. This is Sylvia Rubio, who is the third sister, one of I think there's another sister actually, and a brother. We have a uh, sitting senator, Susan Rubio, a sitting assembly member, Blanca Rubio. And then their third sister had just run for a seat that was being vacated by Ian Calderon, who you may have heard of that name as well. Uh, Ian Calderon is a son of um, Chuck Calderon, who was an assembly member and a senator. And then his brother ran and was an assembly member, Ron Calderon, and a senator and then their other brother tom was an assembly member and then ran statewide well as you may or may not know tom calderon and ron calderon were both indicted and did prison time and so ian calderon stepped into that seat and took it and ian has actually done a very good job he's uh, um, you know very straightforward very bright and has worked hardy. But he announced that he was gonna step down because he wanted to spend more time with his family down in LA as a very young family. So in that race, Ian's stepmother decides she was stepping in. Lisa called her to run for the seat and then we had uh, Sylvia Rubio step up and they went head to head. So the two families battle and because there's only one Republican in this seat, you knew the Republican was gonna take the number one spot. So Sylvia and Lisa Calderon were battling for the second spot. Right now, Lisa Calderon as of this morning is up about a thousand votes. So that's a tough move, but there are a lot of uncounted ballots.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, we'll be watching that race uh, pretty closely because we uh, we didn't endorse uh, Sylvia Rubio In that race. I want to close it up with uh, a congressional race, Congressional District 50. Uh, We actually endorsed uh, Brian Jones. Unfortunately, he didn't make it into the runoff. But most importantly, there was a uh, a former San Diego City Council member by the name of Carl DeMaio. Uh, If you've heard me speak about anything pension related, I always bring his name up along with Chuck Reed and uh, Moorlock down out of Orange County. It was good to see that uh, based on the numbers, and they're not Finally tallied, I think, uh, but I think Carl is out of the race. I think that all uh, unions and anybody that supports uh, defined benefit plans need to make sure uh, Carl DeMaio, Chuck Reed and Mortlock never get another elected office going forward because ultimately gives them a platform to to not only uh, to try to take away these uh, benefits, uh, to eliminate them. Uh, for retirees and active. So that was good to see that. As much as we would have liked to have seen uh, Brian Jones move on to Congress, uh, we'll continue to work with him here in Sacramento. He's been a strong ally of ours, always calls us and talks to us, um, always looking for new ideas to uh, to make the communities uh, that we serve safe. So um, as much as we were disappointed in that, you know, the upside for us is, is that we get to continue to work with him here in Sacramento. Well, I'm going to wrap it up unless you have any additional. Nothing. All right. Uh, this is be the first of probably another one and also so we're probably going to do a uh, looking at uh, some of the legislative uh, bills uh, that we're supporting and aren't supporting and giving you an update on that. Hey, I want to thank uh, the Inland Empire. I'm uh, giving them a big shout out. I'm wearing their shirt today. Hopefully all the other chapters will uh, create chapter shirts for conference this year. So I want to thank uh, Rich Randolph, who's the chapter president, and Tony B, who sits on our executive board. They're doing fantastic work down in inland, keeping the members informed and uh, they're rock stars down there. So I want to thank him a lot. I want to thank you for joining us on this latest episode of On the Job with Porak. We hope you enjoyed it. We'd love to hear your ideas for upcoming episodes. Join us on all social media platforms and be sure to tag us with your suggestions. Go to porak.org. PORAC.org to learn more about California's law enforcement, largest law enforcement organization representing over 75,000 public safety members. Make sure to check out our archived monthly podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, and wherever available. Lastly, we extend a thank you to all our PORAC members and our nation's law enforcement. Be safe and have a great day.
0: That's it for this episode. Make sure you tune in next time as we discuss the issues that matter.